Welcome to That Mom Life. I'm Sarah Jordan, and today I decided to do something completely different. So my daughter just turned one, my youngest daughter, our final baby, and also coming up this week is my 10-year wedding anniversary. So I turned it to the man who made that all possible, my husband, Brian. Hi, babe. I don't think I've ever recorded a podcast in bed before, so thank you for <laughs> joining us. We have to hide from the baby. She's during nap time. She's partied out. Yes, she definitely is, and we do not want to wake her before we need to. <laughs> no. So we've been together now, well, married 10 years, just about now, later this week, and together 12 years. So I feel like people have asked me things. You can also ask me random things if you want to put me on the hot seat, because I feel like I'm putting you on the hot seat, and I'm sorry for that, babe. That's fine. I don't care. I asked him, I was like, will you be on the podcast? And then he was like, I'm a little nervous about this. And I was like, then why'd you say yes? He's like, because you wanted me to say yes. And that's, I do love you for that. <laughs> that's just solid advice for uh, all the married couples out there. All the guys just go with it. So where did you grow up? Well, that's kind of a loaded question <laughs> because um, for a number of years early on in my life, my dad um, was in the banking industry and we moved quite a bit. So I was uh, born in Bloomington, Indiana, um, was there for about six months. We moved to Lexington, moved then to Richmond, Kentucky, and then we moved to Owensboro, which is essentially where I settled until I graduated uh, high school. So what was it like being an only child? Did you ever like ask your parents for siblings and like those type of things? I can remember at points saying to my mom, like, hey, can can I have a brother? Can I have a sister? I mean, um, I was fortunate because growing up, I always lived in a neighborhood. So I was always kind of around other kids. So it didn't necessarily feel like I was by myself. I mean, there's obvious advantages to being the only child. But um, yeah, there were definitely points where I was like, oh, it'd be nice to have like a brother or sister on a rainy day when I was just sitting inside by myself. I can remember when I first met you, that was one of the things that surprised me because I would never have pegged you for an only child. And then I also very early on told you I have a big crazy family. Are you okay with that? <laughs> you never seem scared of my family. No, I mean, I, you know, it's, uh, I had a lot of crazy relatives growing up too. And I mean, I didn't have near as big a family as you do, but I was around my family a lot. We always lived really close to them and grandparents and aunts and uncles and, they were always really involved in my life. So for me, it was pretty, uh, you know, pretty normal to be around crazy relatives. So, so when did you move to Louisville then? Because you said you basically you grew up in Owensboro. I know you graduated when, while living in Owensboro. How did you end up in Louisville? So when I graduated high school, I spent a year doing community college in Owensboro, working, saving money. Um, quite a few of my friends had uh, moved to Louisville to go to school at uh, University of Louisville. And I had uh, a ton of relatives that live here. I've got aunts and uncles and cousins and my grandparents on one side lived in Louisville. So I just kind of was a natural progression to just say, okay, I'm packing up and going to go to school at University of Louisville and move to Louisville and get an apartment with some friends. And that's how I ended up there. So you went to L, and I know you joined a fraternity. Uh, I did, Sigma Phi Epsilon. And that was a big part of your college life. It was, yeah. I mean, it definitely uh, created a lot of my memories and stuff from college. So, yeah, it was a pretty big part. So, when you moved to Louisville, 
you had a couple of friends from Owensboro. Did you guys move together? No. Uh, well, yes and no. So there was a total of four of us in our first apartment when we moved to Louisville. All of them from Owensboro, went to high school with all of them, went to middle school with a lot of them too. I mean, we had known each other for a long time. Um, we just kind of decided after the first year, two of them had been going to University of Louisville. Um, they were actually living in the fraternity house at the time. And we just decided, um, myself and the uh, other friend decided, hey, let's just move to Louisville. Let's all get an apartment together and just do that. So. Now, the reason why this is crucial is because one of those friends was your friend Scott from that you grew up with in Owensboro. Now, the way Brian and I met, it was back in 2008. And I remember I also went to U of L, but that honestly has no relevance to us running into each other because I was a little bit younger than you. But I grew up with a girl named Joy. And Joy was my oldest sister's best friend, but she always treated me like a kid sister, but a kid sister and a friend. And even as her and I grew up, she moved even morphed into more of my close friend. And I got a text the one day and it said, Hey, do you want to go out on a double date with this guy named Brian? He was the best man in our wedding. You may have seen him a few months ago at the wedding. And I didn't really remember. And my first response was literally, eh, it's free dinner. And I get to hang out with you. We haven't hung out in a while. So how did the other side of that story go t for you? So it was actually pretty similar. Um, I had been dating someone, not really that seriously, but just been dating him. We just broke it off. I wasn't really looking for any sort of relationship. Um, I was just starting uh, my career outside of college, so I really wasn't that focused on it, um, anything other than that. And Joy asked me the same question. She called me and said, hey, do you want to uh, do a double date with our, you know, with my friend Sarah? And I was like, yeah, whatever. That's fine. I'm I'm good with that. I got nothing going on next weekend. That's fine. Did you stalk me on social media prior to us going out? I mean that in a nice way. Uh, I did uh, check you out on Facebook um, just because Joy was describing that you were at the wedding and, oh, I, I know you ran into her. I know you talked to her and, and I didn't remember exactly who it was. I mean, I was obviously in the wedding party, so there was a lot going on. So yeah, I checked you out on Facebook, and I remembered who you were when I saw you on Facebook. Honestly, there's pictures of us from their wedding dancing next to each other, even though we never met each other at that wedding. So I remember the same thing. I looked you up, and then we would agree to do a double date with Joy and Scott. And Joy told me ahead of time, she was like, look, if dinner goes great at P.F. Chang's, then we'll go play putt-putt. If putt-putt goes well, then we'll go to the bar. But if none of that goes well, we'll just end it after dinner, and we'll keep it at that. So I show up, and what were your first thoughts when we met? Dang. No. <laughs> <laughs> No, actually, the, the funniest thing is my, my first memory was we I, we all drove in the same car, um, which the funny part about that was at the time I was driving my mom's car while she was out of town because at the time we met, I was driving a little two-seater convertible, so I couldn't fit everybody in my car. So I was driving my mom's car, and... Joy, um, our friend Joy had told me that she worked for a radio station and I had no idea what she did there. I mean, I literally had no clue. And so I thought, oh, I'll be nice. I'll, I'll be cool. And I'll just turn on that radio station. I, I didn't really listen to the radio at the time. I was usually a CD or, you know, audio book or whatever. And, uh, 
So I turned on the radio station and like within two seconds of her being in the car, she was on the radio, which I didn't know that, you know, she was a radio host or anything. And she got so, she like cranked, she like muted the radio and she's like, oh no, I don't like to listen to myself on the radio. So that was kind of one of my first memories where I was like, oh, okay, well, cool. She's humble about it. She's not like, you know, super uppity, hardcore, uh, well, one of my, I, that's one of my first interact. That's really the first interaction I remember with you. I walked into the apartment and I thought, oh, he's well-dressed. That's really nice. But then when we were in the car, I remember you asking me, what do I do for a living? Like I, you, you work for a radio station, whatever. And at that time, my voice came on the radio and I was like, well, I do that. And then I turned it down and you totally were just like, okay, that's cool. And you didn't make a big deal about it because other dating memories of mine prior to you were some people literally wanted to date me because I worked at the radio station, which was absurd to me. And I love that you immediately were like, okay, whatever. So we went through dinner. It was awesome. When we played putt-putt, I remember you laid on the putt-putt course at one point to shoot the ball in using the putt-putt club or golf club like a pool cue. And you putted it into the hole. And I was like, okay, he's funny. And then when we went to the bar, of course, you knew the bartenders, which I thought was super cool, <laughs> which is stupid. Um, and then you started dancing and I was like, and he's got moves. I was like, all right, so he's funny. He's got moves. And it was all in all a great night. And um, we ended up crashing on Joy and Scott's couch that night. Nothing happened. We literally just shared the sectional in opposite recliners, and then Joy and Scott made us breakfast in the morning. Another really funny story about that night, though, when we got to the bar, um, Sarah was like, "Well, I gotta, I gotta go see a friend of mine. I gotta, I gotta go. A friend of mine's here too with with somebody. I gotta go see this friend of mine." So I was talking with uh, Joy and Scott and, you know, everything was going great. And they were like, oh, it's going great. And I said, yeah, I'm having a good time. And, you know, she's a lot of fun. And she, like, didn't come back for a while. And I was like, okay, well, this is kind of weird. Like, she's just abandoned me. So the kind of funny interconnection of all this, this especially this first date, is the the person that she was going to try to find was this guy named TJ, um, who is still super close with us and actually because of tj meeting me that night and several of my fraternity brothers and my friends like he's still best friends with almost all of those people to this day like he so i worked with tj at the radio station and him and i were really good friends so he was there on a bachelor party so i ran off and i was like tj you gotta come meet joy scott and brian and he was like sarah you're telling me you just ran away from your date to come find me. What are you doing? And I was like, okay, well, just come back and meet Brian. So TJ was friends with me through the radio station, had no connection to obviously you and your friends. And now we're all in the same friend group. So a lot of that first night to me is just super funny. So at this point, I was, by the way, a senior in college. So I was 21 and you had graduated college. And so you and I started dating and you were super sweet because again, you were Unlike other guys, I was not expecting anything. I was not expecting a relationship. I, in the sense of like, when I first met you, I was not looking for a relationship at all. I'd gotten out of a serious one and I was like, whatever. But then you were such a gentleman. I remember you took me to an art fair, like the big one in Louisville. And then you kissed me on the cheek that day. And then this cracks me up. You were such a gentleman that you let me be the one to make the first move. Hey, I wasn't going to force anything. <laughs> I was just like, hey. So then I guess after about, what, three weeks or so, maybe about three, yeah, maybe three weeks, about three dates or so, you um, 
you and I became boyfriend and girlfriend. But I mean, even after that first date, your mom just told me this yesterday. You called her and what did you tell her? Basically, I said, you know, she obviously knew I was going on this date and she asked how it went. And I said, honestly, it was vastly different from any date I've probably ever had. It was fun. It was super chill, very relaxed. And I felt like there was definitely something special about Sarah at that, you know, at that moment. I said, you know, this one, this one has the potential to maybe go somewhere. And that was just kind of how I left it. I mean, I too thought that something was different after that first date, especially after no expectations. And it was just, there was no games. And that was my favorite part about when you and I first started dating with other guys. It was always the, is he going to text me? Is he going to call me? Oh, wait, I shouldn't text him first. And with you, there was never, ever any games. I'm pretty sure I texted you that day and I said, sorry, I, I know I'm being overbearing, not waiting the normal three days you know, to text because that was the rule. I don't know what it is nowadays because I've been out of the dating world so long, but it was like there was the three-day don't text or call rule after the first date just to kind of let things. You did. You did text me that later that day, and actually it was literally in that moment that I realized, oh, thank God, he's not going to make me sit here. And I mean, again, we slept on opposite ends of the sectional, but that was a very long date. I mean, we went out to dinner at like whatever, six o'clock or so, and we were still together the next day at like 11 a.m. So it was a very long first date altogether. So we started dating. And then again, we're the weirdos that within the first three weeks of our relationship, we met each other's family. You took me out to lunch with your mom. I took you out to lunch with my parents. And it was just one of those things. And then, and then I know it was when I started meeting the friends. Was it Halloween that I met the friends? That was about a month in. Well, I mean, you had already read a, met a lot of my friends because um, obviously with Scott and Joy. And then at the time, my roommate, Willie, um, you had been over to our apartment, like just to meet me for whatever, a date or something. And Willie had met you a couple times. But I would say, yeah, the vast majority of people you probably did not meet until Halloween that year. That was a good, that was, I feel like, the um, peak of our Halloween game. You went as, like, Night at the Roxbury with your roommate Willie as the um, Stephen Doug Butabi. And I actually decided to go as the Princess Leia gold bikini. I decided to really set the bar high the first year. It was epic. It was very epic. Someone asked me the other day, they're like, are you going to wear that to the bar this year? I was like, uh, no, I will probably never wear that again. But hey, for the first Halloween together, I had to set the bar high. So you and I started dating. And then even at like Thanksgiving, we went to each other's Thanksgiving. And you were telling this story because you brought me to meet your family, which I'm so used to a big family. So I was comfortable. But there was a family photographer there and they started taking family pictures. And you were like, oh, crap. <laughs> well, actually, I was like, oh, crap. Whenever we were taking a family portrait and the aunts and uncles who clearly liked you more than they did me from the second they met you were like, Oh, Sarah, you got to come over here and take a picture with us. And I'm like, Oh my God, they're being way overbearing. She's going to get freaked out. She didn't. She was cool about it. Didn't seem to change her at all. I was more freaked out about it than she was. I think it's because your family reminded me of my family. But at this point, I actually knew I loved you within about six weeks or so I definitely knew it was a different type of relationship and it was heading down that path I don't necessarily remember a specific moment I know I remember it was Christmas Eve when we actually said I love you exchanging gifts but do you remember was there a moment for you that you remember falling in love with me I mean I don't know that there was a specific moment but 
I definitely felt it early on. However, again, just from my past relationships, I was like, I'm not pushing this issue. I'm not going to just go jumping into this too quick. I'm going to let it just kind of gel and see where it goes. Cause I didn't want to do anything that was going to like screw the whole thing up. Cause it was going really well. So again, so what he's leading at is that like, I, he lets me make the first move a lot because I remember on Christmas Eve, actually one of my friends who's still one of my close friends, Maggie, her and I both started dating our now husbands at that time. And we both knew we were in love, but we were waiting for you guys to say it. So on Christmas Eve, I dangled the bait and I just said, Brian, I really think I'm falling for you. And then you responded with, of course, I love you. So then wouldn't that technically mean I said I love you first? I dangled the carrot. But I, but I was the one that said it first. I think we can agree on that. Fine. I guess technically that is that's that is a technicality, and I will take it. But it's not that's, fair. That's the only wins I get are technicalities. Okay. So at this point, we're only three months in to our relationship of ten years. Don't worry. We are not going to go play by play into this. I just really like rehashing the beginning. Okay. So then at this point, I'm a derby princess. You're coming to all of these derby festivities with me. You're wearing tuxedos. Your mom's coming. So our relationship really did get serious quickly. I mean, just for to be each other's with holidays and then derby stuff. And then what? Well, you're forgetting the key part before any of the derby princess stuff happened. Well, I should say before the festivities got well underway, we had decided my my lease was up on my apartment in the summer. And at the time, that was right around the the bubble bursting with the housing market and the economy and everything else. So they were offering first-time homebuyers $8,000 tax credit. So I was like, this seems silly. Let's just let's get a house together. Let's just get a house together. And because I was basically your apartment was so close to U of L, it was easier for me to stay at your apartment and go straight to class. So then you said, let's just get a house together. And I'm thinking, oh, my parents aren't going to like this. My parents were immediately on board. Your parents were behind it. And even crazier than that, your grandparents were behind it. So we got in a, two different cars, my parents, your parents, your grandparents and, I, and us, we went house shopping. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, we bought a little kind of fixer-upper, and so when you were going through all those festivities, we were working on closing on that house and already starting to do work and stuff on it, so yeah, it was kind of a crazy time. Yeah, because I was a derby princess, graduating, it was my last semester of college, so it's like derby was the first Saturday of May. I graduated the second Saturday in May, and I want to say the following weekend, we closed on the house, or roughly right along with that, somewhere in there. Actually, we closed on the house in between derby weekend we closed on the house the Monday after Derby, but I was working on projects, changing out lights, starting to tear stuff in the kitchen up. We were adding a dishwasher. We were doing a bunch of different stuff. So that, that was going on in between that and uh, graduation. Oh my gosh. I can't believe how much stuff this was all in 2009. I can't believe how much stuff we fit in that literal like six week time span. So again, this is 90, this is only eight months into our relationship. So then we dated for a year and right at about a year and a month or so is when you proposed to me. Actually, I don't think I know the answer to this question. At what point did you have the ring? So I had the ring. Oh gosh. So we got engaged in November of 09. And I had the ring in June. Did you really? Yeah. I had the ring. I'm pretty sure it was June. June's when I went and bought the ring. 
Yeah, it was definitely June. Now I had it. What I did was I paid to have it at the jeweler for a while because I one I didn't want it floating around in the house, and two, I hadn't fully decided when I was going to propose. I went on ahead and got the ring. Of course, prior to proposing, once I decided, I had the conversation with your parents that you know making sure that I had their blessing and everything else and. Wait, that's one of my favorite things. Tell them about the diamond in my ring. So <clears throat> when when I was 16, uh, or actually right before I turned 16, my dad uh, passed away uh, from a brain tumor. And fairly early on after that, I can remember my mom telling me, you know, I'm saving my wedding ring for when you get married. I want you to have, you know, the diamonds out of that ring to give to whoever you marry. So when we went ring shopping, my mom went with me because we were, we had her, um, you know, my mom's wedding ring from my dad. We had that, um, with us so we could pick the right setting and everything else. So the ring that's actually in your wedding band is the, or I'm sorry, the diamond that is in your wedding engagement ring is, um, the one that was in my, my mom's, uh, engagement ring. This is why I love my husband so much because it's so cute. So we bought the house together and I remember thinking, okay, if we're getting a house together, I'm sure we're going to get engaged eventually. But I remember you took, you sent me to jewelry stores with my friends to go pick out stuff. So all of that time that I went and did that, you already had a ring, didn't you? Yes, correct. Mm. And then at one point, Brian got really sick. And I remember like with the flu or something, I remember telling him like, if I'm willing to take care of you during the flu, like I'm sickness and health. Hello. So if you had the ring in June, what made you wait? Or what? How did you figure out when the right moment was to propose? So it took a good month or so because they did have to do some custom fabrication on the ring to get the diamond that was out of my mom's ring to fit. So you know, at that point I was trying to think, I'm like, when do I do this? What's a good day? I don't really want to do it at Christmas. I don't want to do it around a bunch of family. I want it to be fairly just simple. I don't want to go all out because to be honest, that's not necessarily our thing. Although I have gone all out for a lot of things in our relationship. Yes. But, But this was just one of those moments where I felt like it needs to be simple. So I was talking to my mom and I was talking to my grandparents, my, my mom's parents, and uh, my mom was like, well, you know, why don't you do it around, why don't you do it on, um, you know, your grandparents' anniversary? So I thought about it, and I was like, yeah, that's that's perfect time, because, you know, Sarah was already at that point very close to my grandparents. Honestly, I think at that point they liked her more than they liked me. It's not true. <laughs> And so I was like, that's a perfect time. It's symbolic. It's simple. At the time, Sarah was working um, nights. So basically, the day that, that it all happened, that day on my lunch break, I went to go get the ring, had the ring on me the whole day. I would like basically had my hand in my pocket the whole day, just making sure I didn't lose that daggone thing. And then I uh, I went home. She wasn't home. She didn't get home until like 11 or 12 o'clock at that point with her shift. So I literally just sat around. I just sat around with that ring in my hand waiting. With the puppy that you had also bought me. Yeah, so the puppy was going to be like a... I thought about involving the puppy at some point, which I kind of ended up doing. 
but basically she walks in the she walks in the door she's on the phone with somebody she gets off the phone she's talking to me and i you weren't really in the house very long i mean it was no crazy. i literally walked in the door Put, up the phone. put my stuff down on the counter right there and you were standing there holding the puppy who which by the way we had the puppy for like a week at this point maybe two yeah. and i was like what are you doing <laughs> and basically at that point i got down on one knee and i said you know today is the wedding anniversary of my grandparents and i couldn't think of a better time to ask you to spend the rest of your life with me and that was it and then basically she started crying. She said yes. And then she immediately got on the phone and started calling all of her friends. And I basically <laughs> just sat there and watched TV. That's literally what happened. So it was I... this big like build up. She was super happy. <laughs> we hugged for like two minutes. And then she basically was like, do you mind if I start calling people? I'm like, I, don't, I just said, I don't care. <laughs> do whatever you want to do. So I just sat there and watched TV with the puppy while she started calling people. I remember I looked at you that night and I was like, so what's the date? And you were like, can we let this sink in first before we set a date? But I did call everyone I knew and I was sobbing as if you had like broken up with me. I don't think I've ever cried that hard to a happy news outside of like child labor. Yeah, I was about to say, don't forget the children. You've definitely I'm not forgetting that. the children. So we were dating just over a year got engaged in November and then we ended up deciding on getting married in November as well because well a it takes about a year to plan a wedding anyway I liked the idea of being a fall bride because I didn't want to get all hot and melty in the summertime and also November with your grandparents they you proposed on their 64th wedding anniversary and we got we got married right before their 65th but it was just a good month for love so then that's when we got married we had about 225 people there huge wedding party massive wedding party uh like 20 people we had a massive party honestly it was a really cool night um sarah sarah being involved in media and everything else we kind of did a, a mini like tv segment around it and you know we got connected with the wedding planner and we had all these up and coming florists that now have these huge businesses that mm -hmm. were wanting to be a part of it and i mean it was a beautiful event the thing about Brian and I is that when when Brian and I go to weddings, other people's weddings, when we would go to the bar, we sing along to the songs, we play our air guitars, and we dance. And that's the thing that everyone tells us about our wedding is that we threw a party. People were there until the lights came on. My favorite thing is that the DJ, who was actually a former radio DJ, and I chose him because of that, um, he started the night by playing Shout and made every single person there, including our grandparents, come out onto the dance floor to set the tone. And there were people on that dance floor the rest of the night. And I remember the DJ saying, and I, I don't know why I have goosebumps thinking about this. This is so silly. He remembers saying that it was one of the most fun receptions he's ever seen with that many people dancing. And even though you and I did talk to people, we, we basically talked to everyone there. I mean, at one point you and I are standing on chairs screaming, don't stop believing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, we basically were on the dance floor most of the night. We, I mean, again, it was a, it was a blast and definitely one of the more memorable nights and moments in our 
I guess, our history together. Oh, gosh, yeah. It was a hell of a party. Then again, your wedding's supposed to be a hell of a party, right? I mean, we went on our honeymoon, which was, of course, amazing. We were dead tired and exhausted by the time we left and, like, borderline almost sick because we were so tired. Came back from Mexico, obviously refreshed. So it's it was funny because there were some people that thought that I was, like, young because, oh, you guys are, you've only known each other a year and you're engaged. Oh, you're already getting married and you were only engaged a year? And then it was just kind of, it's always just been us. I always knew I wanted to get married young. I always wanted to be able you and I did travel a lot at first and I remember one of the times was probably our most crazy travels we traveled with each other to Vegas and New York and other stuff for work in Florida but the one time one of my friends was getting married in Florida in the week of we just decided to buy plane tickets and fly to Florida for the wedding and it was a 36 hour turnaround we flew down there did the wedding sat on the beach for about five hours that day and then turned around and came back home. Like it was literally a 36 hour. We, which obviously we could never do now because of kids. <laughs> so it was fun. And then um, we then moved into eventually our second house. We were married about three years. We moved into our, was that about three years? Yeah. Yeah, we were there about three years and we started having the conversation about trying to, you know, have kids start a family and, we decided, well, the house we're in would be okay, but it was small. I mean, it was like a 900-square-foot little two-bedroom, one-bath, uh, super nice house. We we actually kept it for a number of years, up until just the last couple of years as a rental house. And, I mean, it was a very nice house, and but we just needed a bigger place. So we started looking around and then moved into our second house. Um, and then... That year was kind of a crazy blur. So that was 2012 in like August of 2012. Um, You ended up being pregnant December? November. November. You and I got pregnant in November. So we decided to, okay, let's try to start having kids. And you and I were very blessed. It did not take long. I remember we did Friendsgiving, which used to be like, our big rager holiday i say rager but that's when we would throw like a massive house party 70 people yeah it was big so that was the last like party time that i remember and you and i had started trying and then it was right before christmas actually that i found out that i was pregnant because you left for work i actually specifically waited until you left and i went and took the pregnancy test and oh you're right the happy tears. <laughs> I say that I don't cry happy tears that hard very often. <laughs> I started sobbing, but it was just me and the dogs. So I'm like talking to the dogs, sobbing, and I'm trying to do something. I'm like, I've got to tell them something. So I drove, I was starving. So I was went, ran up to McDonald's. I'm in the drive-thru sobbing. I tell the person at the McDonald's drive-thru I'm pregnant, and I just found out because they were looking at me like I was crazy because I was sobbing. And then I ran into Meyer and I went and bought a little onesie. And so when you came home later, it was on a Saturday, um, I hand, I said, Hey, I have something you may want to wear for Christmas this year or wear over to my parents, whatever I said. And I handed you the onesie. <laughs> yes. And then her tears just kept rolling and funny, funny enough, the day that that happened. So for her parents Christmas present that year, they really wanted a backsplash in their kitchen And at this point, from all of our remodeling, we had done several backsplashes, so we agreed to give them a backsplash for Christmas. So we were actually going over there to to do that. So it kind of turned into this whole thing where at first we're like, do we tell people it's really early on? We're like, well, we'll tell our parents. So obviously we told her parents. And literally the next day for my 
for my parents, so my mom and my mom uh, remarried, uh, and so my stepdad, um, we were doing family pictures. So we were going to do like family pictures with them. That was going to be their that was going to be their Christmas present. And so we told them via a picture. We're like, hey, we've got to get this special picture. Hang on a second, we need to get this picture. And we had the onesie and all this stuff. And so it was kind of just the way it worked out that it ended up being these kind of I don't want to necessarily say epic like ways for us to tell people, but that's kind of what we did. And then over the course of the next two or three weeks with Christmas, we like slowly told my family. And I remember with your grandma, um, we gave her a Christmas ornament, Nana, we gave her a Christmas ornament that year and they told her and Brian is an only child, but he's also the only one to carry on his namesake. And so, um, his grandma specifically was like, I hope it's a boy. I hope it's a boy. I hope it's a boy. So, um, when that year, now we're moving into 2013. Um, I lost a, basically a grandparent early on, probably like April ish. And then we moved into the summertime and we did find out we were having a boy and that's our oldest son. And I remember your your Nana was beyond thrilled because we also decided we were going to name him after your father and your grandfather. So he is the third person with that name. So the night of um, our one big family baby shower, which your grandma came to, um, she ended up having a stroke later that night. And within a few weeks, she ended up passing away. And we always said like, her last family moment was at our baby shower. Yeah. But I think she became more at peace knowing that like we were carrying on the family. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, so um, that happened a few months, actually like a month and a half after that happened. Um, our son was born. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that year was like the best year and the worst year because and obviously, uh, Sarah lost someone early on that year. My grandmother passed. Camp was born, which was like this kind of big ramp back up for, hey, what a great year. And then um, your grandmother immediately after that. My uh, grandmother, my passed. my grandmother, my dad's mom, um, mother of eight children, um, she passed away and camp was only six weeks old. And I had to go back up to Cleveland, which is where I'm from. And I remember I had to leave you and I took all this baby gear. And on your 30th birthday, mm-hmm. you were at my grandmother's funeral. Yep. And I had this little six week old baby. And that entire year, I just kept this is going to sound stupid, but I kept singing like the Lion King circle of life in my head, but more or less that concept of like for him to enter our son, we lost several grandparents that year, but camp was amazing. We went in, that was a crazy child labor. He took me 30 hours um, because I tried to go naturally and then the epidurals got all crazy and they did not think that he was going to be eight pounds or 12 ounces. It took me like three hours to push him out. Um, because he was caught cause he was head up like head down, but face up. Um, but that's when I started, like when, when we were in labor for 30 hours, you were the best person ever. You always are when I'm in labor. You, we just, you and I go to this different place and it's just you and I, and there's no one else I need besides you. And 
that was when our <laughs> journey to being parents, I mean, what was it like for you when you first held camp? I mean, it's one of those, I would say with every one of them, it's one of those unforgettable moments that you're just like, you know, Hey, I'm in charge of you. I have to take care of you. And it's certainly a very scary moment. Like, can I do this? You know, am I, is, is this person that used to party in college? Is this the person that is, am I capable of doing it? But I mean, honestly, um, you just kind of start to figure it out. I mean, it definitely took us, we have definitely gotten progressively better on the first night home with all the other kids, but that first night home with our son was like the most epic failure as a parent. We were like, we were holding him. We wouldn't leave him alone. He'd start crying and we'd freak out. And it was just this whole thing. And then after that, I think we kind of started to calm down and, and figure it all out. But yeah, it It was terrifying. I mean, I was 20, 2013. Let me math for a second. So I was 26 and it was just like, I remember that moment in the hospital. I started sobbing going, oh my God, I we have to go home and take care of him forever. And that first night home was terrifying. That first like two months was absolutely terrifying because no idea what you're doing, no idea how to be a parent. And you're just kind of trying to follow your gut and you and I were figuring it out and you had to go back to work pretty fast. You always have had to go back to work pretty fast. Yeah. Well, the other thing too is <laughs> we have always... We have made some kind of silly decisions just on how we have progressed our lives at points. And so, you know, when we moved out of the small house that, that I was talking about earlier into this slightly larger house, had more bedrooms, had more bathrooms, whatever. Well, it was pretty early on, like two months after camp was born, that we were like, this house isn't going to work. There's There was a ton of steps there was no good place for him to play. There was no good place for anything. So we were like, okay, we're going to sell this house. And we just kind of decided that we wanted to build a house. We're like, we're going to build a house. So really this house that we moved into and painted and did all these little things to, we were there for like a year, literally basically one year. And so it was this kind of pointless in between step. So we have now a four month old and we're moving And ironically enough, you know, we had to build a house and we were building from the ground up. So literally right before Christmas that year, we moved in with your parents for a five month stretch, um, which we were dreading. And we were like, oh my gosh, this is going to be the worst thing ever, which would kind of come full circle several years later. But so we, you know, we ended up going through that whole process. So before camp was even one, we literally he went through two moves yeah two moves because we had moved into the new house and not that i'm trying to kind of fast forward it but then right after we moved we decided okay i think maybe we want to start talking about you know having a a second child and we just did not think that it was going to happen like it did and as fast as it did and You know, we have been very uh, fortunate in that regard, but it was like in this year and a half swing, we moved multiple times, had a baby, had a lot of kind of, you know, turmoil and and just life changes with our families. 
and then coming around to, okay, well, now we're pregnant again with our second. This sounds silly, but I can always remember, like, one big farewell party before I get pregnant. So I remember with camp, it was Friendsgiving, and then I found out I was pregnant. We went to our friend's wedding at the Sealbach, like a really nice Hilton hotel, open bar. It was like a Roaring Twenties theme. We partied the night away, and then like that short, like a week later or so, two weeks later, I found out that I was pregnant. And I remember that night, um, we also told my parents again, which by the way, I totally forgot we moved into with my parents that time with camp. I cannot believe we did that. Um, but we went and we saw Bruno Mars at a Muhammad Ali benefit concert. And that was the day that I had found out. And we told your, I think that time we were much more chill. We had to drop off camp with my parents to go to the concert. So I, we told my parents that night at the house and then we called your mom on the way to the concert and keep in mind camp camp was literally 13 months old. And so now in total, they're 22 months apart, but we had a baby. I'm pregnant with a baby. We had just moved into a house. So this again, like you said, the full circle moments, we have a knack for moving into a house and I get pregnant because we moved into that house in Sellersburg and in less than six months I was pregnant. Now we have Kennedy, our daughter, and they're 22 months apart. And, um, honestly, Brian and I both thought we were done. We have a boy, we have a girl, we've got a great house. Um, well, there's there's a big step you're kind of skipping. What am I missing? I don't know. Maybe the giant move that we made. I was getting there. I was getting there. I was getting there. So, okay. Keep in mind, we had moved in with my parents while building a house. Well, then... Fast forward some, we've got two kids, we're living in our house, it's a beautiful house, we're happy, great neighborhood, great neighbors. Well then, my dad was very sick in the hospital and he has a blood clotting disorder, which I found out I have some of his blood clotting disorders now since that incident. And these blood clots were in all of his main arteries in his his leg and basically if any of them moved, they could kill him. And my mom and I were sitting there and my mom looks at me and she was like, Sarah, if we ever win the lottery, we're buying land. We're buying land and we're both building houses. And so then later, Brian has a different idea. Yeah. So she told me that. And, you know, I had told Sarah multiple times when we moved into the neighborhood that we had moved into. Um, I had told her, you know, I really wish we had bought land, like a lot of land, like, you know, five, six, really my idea was 10 plus acres of land and built a house on it because I always grew up. My, my grandparents always had property. They had a big pond on it. We'd go fishing. We'd do camping. I would help them do yard work. They had a huge garden. He had a woodworking shop. I mean, I would spend weeks upon weeks there and it was a blast and I loved it. And I loved being outside. And I kind of wanted that for the kids. But, you know, at the time, being in the neighborhood was great. They had friends. They'd run around. It was it was great. Well, when your mom said that, I started kind of thinking about it. And, you know, I, I always, I guess, Sarah always makes comment about how I'm a numbers guy. And I'm always looking at things kind of a little bit differently than probably a lot of people do. And I kind of started realizing, I was like, okay, well... Number one, we're around your parents a lot because, you know, with two kids, Sarah's working a lot. I was working a ton at the time. You were working a ton at the time. Um, You know, I had a job where I was just, I was just working a lot and, you know, we kind of, we kind of said, okay, I, I think let's try to simplify our lives a little bit. 
we're over at your parents a lot. We're, we get along great. I mean, I'm very fortunate. I know a lot of people probably and friends of ours still make fun of me because they're like, you're crazy for some, for what you did. But, but ultimately I, I approached Sarah and I said, listen, you know, with your parents' current situation, they're just not, it's not sustainable for them to continuously with your dad's health and everything else to think it would be good to have a support system immediately close by. So I said, I think it's, I think we should move in with your parents. And of course, Sarah at first was like, you're crazy. Like, I don't, what are you talking about? You have lost your damn mind. What are you saying? And I said, you know, hear me out. I said, I'm not talking about just moving into their house. I'm talking about, we buy a bunch of land and we build a big house. We build a multi-generational house, a house that I've never seen anybody build. It's going to be completely custom, but we build it. And that was really what started us along a, gosh, a two year over two year journey because we, we, Sarah thought about it. It's okay. I raised my hand and he immediately stopped. You don't have to immediately stop. So we, I thought about what he was saying. And when I realized he meant literally like a multi-generational home, not a mother-in-law suite, but something completely custom. I remember my dad had just gotten out of the hospital and he was still on leave from work for being sick. And you and I had started looking at this one piece of land. And when we took my parents out to that land, that's when you told them our plan. And I remember we had both kids in the car cause we were all running around everywhere. We had my parents and everything. And when we told them what we wanted to do, I remember you spoke up and I remember like this hush fell over the car and like both my parents got emotional. Well, what I remember specifically, and this was really funny. This is classic. Your dad. I remember me saying it, you know, me saying, Hey, this is my idea. And Dan reiterated it to me. And I said, and, and I said, yeah, that's, that's what I'm proposing. And then I remember your mom, like almost trying to talk us out of it. And I can remember your dad being like, (laughs) Jody, listen, do you understand what he's proposing right now? He's proposing that we live in this house with them and we don't have to worry about a lot of the bills and a lot of these other things. So we can actually like retire early and I, I, at that point, that's when your mom got super emotional and just didn't know what to say. But we kind of, honestly, at that moment, we set the ground rules. We're like, here's, here's what's going to happen. We're going to design our own houses. Dan, you and I are going to put them together. We're going to figure out how to make the connection and the flow of the house work. So that's what they did. You and my dad designed the entire plans. Yes, but there was a lot more involved with that. So we ended up meeting with a bunch of builders, like several builders. Nobody wanted to take it on. They were like, you're crazy. We're too busy. Nobody's going to take that on. There's just not a way to do it. And we were like, yeah, it's not that hard. It's not that difficult. It's just building a big house. It's just kind of a weird scale. And then the people that... My parents built a house, too, that my dad designed when I grew up. That was the house I grew up in. And it was my parents' best friends that built the house, and my parents also helped build the house. So we thought this person was retired. And then when he heard we were shopping around other builders, he found, of course, sat at church. And he was like, why didn't you ask me about it? And we were like, we thought you were out of the game. And then 
he was like, well, what land are you looking at? And I'll fast forward for the sake of whatever. It ended up that the builder that built my childhood house ended up building this house. It- well, I'm afraid you're going to skip the crucial part. The land that we had picked out and we had already kind of started negotiating when we took this builder, because we finally had our builder, when we took this builder out to the land, because of the layout of the land, it was not buildable. It was in a very low lying area. It was surrounded by a creek and it was in a flood area. And so we couldn't build on it. So then we were like, great, here we are. We've got this great idea. We've got the house design. Now we have no land. So then we're fast forwarding this. Our builder has brothers and years and years and years ago, they bought about 60 ish acres roughly um, in in an ideal spot, an area that we wanted to be in. And they had already been talking about subdividing that property. And so from there, it kind of just took off. It, it turned into, okay, we went and looked at their property. We loved it. We said, all right, you know, we want to buy 12 acres and we want to build this house. The builder agreed to do it. And that's basically where it went from there. And you're right. It was a two-year process. And then I remember you telling me we needed to sell our house and move back into my parents' current house so that we could get the construction loan. And that part was the very difficult part for me. First of all, we had very we had two very young kids at this time. We had like a three-year-old and a two-year-old. And we had to move out of the house. And I can remember finishing packing up and cleaning and having to borrow the neighbor's lawnmower and putting all our stuff into a storage unit. And at this point, last time we moved in with my parents, we took over two of their bedrooms. This time we were taking over the entire basement, which was a big basement, but basically like all one room. And then we had a master down there. So we had moved back with my parents. And I remember I was definitely like, and I mean, was it difficult to live in my parents' basement for over a year? Sure it was, but we also knew it was very temporary. So we made this multi-generational home. We moved in right before Thanksgiving, like two years ago. The builder of our home, his son actually ended up buying your parents' house because they were looking for a house in that area. So it's just very weird how everything worked out, but it, it worked out perfectly. Literally, it was a seamless move. We moved out. Uh, the builder's son moved into her parents' old house, um, and we were in, and we were in a house that barely passed um, the occupancy permit inspection. So literally when we moved into this house, it was a construction zone. There was the outside was nothing. There was no siding or anything on the house. Well, we only, we didn't have countertops cause there was a mistake at the place that was making our countertops. We only had like two working toilets and, and that was on one of my parents' side, one on our side, two working, two sinks working sinks. We, for the first three or four days. yeah, we had to do, wash our sink or dishes in the, um, laundry tub and stuff like that. So, I mean, it was, I, again, looking back on it, we had tiny kids, and I don't know how we lived in a construction zone with the tiny kids. We spent every single day over here because Brian and I, fun fact, Brian and I know how to tile really well. Well, Brian can do anything as far as like elect, electrical work, anything he puts his mind to, he can 100% do when it comes to working with his hands. But like, Except plumbing. I don't do plumbing. We don't do plumbing. But we tiled all the showers in the house. We decided to paint the entire house, which included pr- two coats of primer, two coats of paint. We did all of it. And I can remember setting up the kids where we only had one outlet that works with an extension cord they would have their ipads in a blanket on the 
and on the floor of the wooden floor there would be no lights on in the house but like the lights we were using to paint I mean it was a crazy situation but finally basically by the Christmas of two years ago we had countertops everything was in we were living happily inside they were still yeah, working there was still a ton of uh, sure. you know we hadn't painted any of the interior doors well, or interior trim but in general we were in and my um we were then moving into the start of 2019 no yeah 29 yeah yeah it was 2019 and i can remember i had asked brian do you think we're really done having kids and he was like absolutely we're never having kids we're never having any more we've got to whatever and i was like yeah i think you're right and then i remember i had some coworkers, and they were like nope you have a new house you know what happens you're gonna get pregnant and then um that march we found out we were pregnant with Maggie. You told me you're pregnant, you're pregnant. And I was like, no, I'm not. And then of course I pee on a stick and I'm like, look at it. It's going to be negative. And then as soon as I look down, it is blaringly obvious that it says you are pregnant. I'm sobbing uncontrollably and you go marching back over to my parents' house and I'm not walking with you. I am walking about five steps behind you. You've got the pregnancy test completely over your head, like waving it around in the air like it's the flag and I'm sobbing and my mom sees me sobbing first and she was like, why are you crying? And I was like, I'm pregnant. So then after you being the one that was like, I'm done, you were the one that was all happy and I'm over here like, what is going on? Yeah, well, I had told you, I had suspected for about a week prior to you doing that. So at first I was freaked out, but then in my mind, being the way that my mind works, I just start kind of rationally working through all of the different things. And so by the time we actually found out, I had already worked out all the things you're worried about. How are we going to do daycare? How are we going to do this? How are we going to do that? And I had already worked through all those things. So I had all these different answers. Yes, yeah, so he was fine and I'm freaking out. But that night I was laying in bed, still crying, absolutely in disbelief. Not that I wasn't happy, I was just in shock. And I pretty much knew it was a girl. I knew exactly what the name was. And I said, and Brian, based on what the math is, I know how we're gonna do the pregnancy announcement. It's gonna be derby themed. And that's exactly what we did. And he was like, that's what you're over there thinking about. And I was like, I just knew, I was like, this is the name. And this is how we're going to announce it. Those were the only two things I could grasp a hold of day one. But then the other thing is the whole reason we moved into this house, we moved into this lifestyle, which my grandfather's also here. So there's four generations. We said that we wanted to be able to help each other, take care of each other. We help my parents, they help us. Well, then right after Maggie was born in November, she just had her first birthday this week. Um, but my, both my parents retired. And so they were able to take care of the baby. And it's just so weird how everything works out. And I should mention, because we haven't made note of these people since the beginning of our story, Joy and Scott, the people that introduced us, we are the godparents to their children. They are the godparents to our children. They are still our best friends and in our lives and like family. So they're still <laughs> bubble, if you will, given fast forwarding to pandemic times, they're in our, our bubble, our circle. So. Yes. And I mean, in 2020, I couldn't be more thankful for living the way that we do because I'm working from home. My parents are here helping with virtual learning and helping with the baby while I'm working and Brian's having to leave the house to go to work. And I mean, it's just crazy as we celebrate our 10 year wedding anniversary this year, Maggie, our final baby celebrating her first birthday. I mean, we've been through a lot, baby. We've been through quite a bit. 
Some of it was our own doing. Some of it was kind of out of our hands, but yes. So I will say too, and we had Maggie again, you were the best labor coach ever. You always are every single time, but outside of like the obvious wedding, new house, three kids, any favorite memories of you and I, I mean, I know you have them, but is there anything that's like a trigger of like favorite moments of ours? And to be fair, as I ask you this, I'm thinking, trying to think of the answer to. Well, no, I kind of think, you know, I think in our life, it's always, there's been these, it's, you know, everybody has these different moments like, okay, your life is this way. And then it changes after this moment. And then it changes after this moment. And obviously each of the kids has been one of those moments, but I think kind of early on, I think probably what was, I can remember the most and, and still is to this day, you know, when we do projects and stuff is Mm. you and I doing projects. I remember our first house, it was a decent house in terms of, you know, some of the stuff was already done, but I can remember us having to you know, change out light fixtures and painting and like doing stuff that we had never done, but just kind of, it was just you and I, it was you and I in this house, figuring stuff out, figuring out our moves, starting our life together. That's probably, I would say the thing that I can kind of remember the most. And even prior to that was like in my old apartment, you know, you going to class, you coming over us, hanging out with my roommate, Willie, and just kind of like that whole, I guess, foundational build for our relationship. Those are the types of things that I remember. And I think, again, there's those pivotal moments that we have that are always the ones that you think about. And sure, we have ups and downs in terms of our relationship. But I think at the end of the day, it's those pivotal moments that kind of define, you know, what I guess our journey, so to speak. You and I do like working with our hands together. (laughs) Um, but like I'm staring into, as we lay in bed recording this podcast, I'm staring at our shower and we, you and I spent every weekend that September when we were building the house, it was so hot hours into the night and it was just you and I working on tiling that shower and we always turn into such a little team and it's so much fun. I mean, some of my favorite moments, obviously the projects are super fun, but when we did travel some, I remember when you took me to New York for the first time and you and I walked everywhere. We toured around and you're always up for an adventure with me. And like just figuring out new things with you is always some of my favorite moments ever. And I mean, you're my best friend. You're my biggest cheerleader. You've never held me back. You've never not supported me in my career, my job. You're always my rock. And after 10 years, I know some people are like, Oh my, someone said to me, actually, <laughs> one of my coworkers, she was like, Oh my gosh, how do you, you, you guys still love each other, after, love each other after 10 years. And I'm like, yeah, I love them a whole lot more. <laughs> you just keep growing together. And I think that's the key is growing together. But the moral of my story, baby, is that I love you a lot. And thank you for putting up for, with me and choosing me. And thank you for allowing me to have three kids that call me mom on my greatest job ever, most difficult job ever, but the greatest joy. So thank you. I don't know why you're thanking me for the kids when you were the one that literally did all the work. I did do one. all of the work. I did a hundred percent of that. I mean, not a hundred percent. I did 99. You did your 1%. <laughs> I did do my 1%. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I think it's, it's kind of weird how, you know, one year birthday for our, 
you know, our youngest daughter and then our, our anniversary. And obviously this year is not exactly how anyone has planned for the year to go. It's been kind of a crazy year, but you know, I think we have been very fortunate in, in the fact that we are, um, you know, kind of the way things have been with pandemics and you hear all these people like, Oh my gosh, I stuck inside with my family and it's driving me nuts and all this stuff. And honestly, I don't think we've had, you know, we've probably had a few of those moments, but I think ultimately we've, you know, we've just kind of continued to grow through it and, you know, every day's a a new thing and a new challenge and we just kind of deal with it as it comes. As my grandfather says, and I say this all the time and you like that I say it sometimes and other times you're like, oh my gosh, that's the worst timing for you to say that. But you know, my grandfather always said, you just kind of have to take days one day at a time. That's the only way you can do it. And you know, that way you can control that one moment in time and you know, you plan for the future, but understand that you just got to take it a day at a time. And I think that's what we've done. And here we are. That's all I have. Cheers to the next 10 years, babe. Cheers. Thank you for listening to That Mom Life. Make sure to hit the subscribe button, tell your friends, and leave a rating.